you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with a good podcast. Oh, my gosh. Another one. Go back and listen to all 700 podcasts. You really should check all them babies out. There's just a whole bunch over there. You can listen for hours and ages. And when you get done, the coronavirus pandemic will probably be over. So, hey, do that. Do that with your time. Anyway, guys, so be sure to check us out. If you want to watch the amazing video version of this interview with this guest that's going to blow your mind, it's going to take you to a whole new level, put you in a special place, that thing you've been searching for, all of your life, the missing part of you, you might find it in this author or not, but we're going to get really close. I, I think, are we, Brian? Absolutely. <laughs> we're on the way already. We're going to get really close. I'll leave it up to you guys to decide. And who knows? Maybe maybe we don't have the missing part, but you're going to get closer. So anyway, <laughs> people are going to be like, I'm, I love, you know, anyway, I have no joke for that. So anyway, guys, be sure to watch the video version. Let's go to youtube.com where it says Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. It'll give you this completeness. You'll feel deep in your soul. Why do I keep doing this completeness crap? Who knows? It makes people feel good. You can go to Facebook. There's multiple groups over there. So many we can't count. There's a LinkedIn. There's Instagram, multiple accounts and Instagram as well. You can follow over there and you can see us on Clubhouse. We're talking on Clubhouse all the time. You can find me there at, at Chris Voss. The Chris Voss Show has its own account over there too. And we should have a the Chris Voss Show Club soon. I'm hearing this week they're going to let us uh, start launching that. We've got some most excellent guests I want to plug coming up. Dr. Jennifer Ashen from Good Morning America. You've probably seen her on Dr. Oz and other places. She's going to be with us next week for The New Normal. We're going to have Ira Rosen, who has the book Ticking Clock Behind the Scenes at 60 Minutes. This is going to be a really interesting show because he's got all the dish on Mike Wallace. And yeah, it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be pretty interesting. If you read it, it's a pretty gossipy book. Tim Story is going to be on. He's got the uh, Miracle Mentality. You've probably seen him with uh, that uh, Oprah lady. You've probably heard of her. She's pretty popular from what I understand. I think I've heard of her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But today we have the most excellent guest of the day, Brian Biro. That's not, no, no, Brian Biro, right? No, 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 no. Stick with the Biro. There you go. There you go. There you go. No. <laughs> sorry brian he is america's breakthrough coach he's delivered over 1800 presentations around the world over the last 30 years the author of 15 count em books including his bestseller beyond success and his brand new book we'll be talking about today the roi of kindness Brian was rated number one from over 40 speakers at four consecutive Inc. Magazine International Conferences with degrees from Stanford University and UCLA. Brian has appeared also on Good Morning America and CNN. Brian was recently honored as one of the top 10 
interactive keynote speakers in North America and one of the top 60 motivational speakers in the world. Welcome to the show, Brian. How are you? Oh, Chris, I couldn't be better. Having a blast already and we haven't even started. That was awesome. I got to tell you, I get a lot of bios from uh, of our authors and stuff. This is probably one of the best you've written. This is one, not the best you've written, the best bio that I've gotten that someone's written. And I'm I'm impressed with you because you did Brian Byro's bio flawlessly. That's pretty tough to do. There you go. I I it was a one read, man. I didn't even pre read that. I'm just I want a special star in my head. So Brian, welcome to the show. Give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, the interweb. Oh, that's a cool deal. Just my website is my name, brianbyro.com, and it's got all the goodies on it. And I love to hear from people. I always will connect. And there you go. Brian, you've launched this new book, The ROI of Kindness. People, if they don't know what that stands for, return on investment. Or I don't know, you can make up some other stuff, but it's probably just return on investment. Is that correct? Yeah, we'll stick with that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what you'd fill in for the other. The ROI of kindness. So tell us what the book's about or what motivates you want to write the book, et cetera. A couple things, Chris. Number one, I feel like we're maybe more than I ever remember in my lifetime. It's time for kindness. We need to start to remember how to disagree without being disagreeable. We're, we're, we have so much separation, so much fear. So one of the underlying reasons for doing this was because I want to I want to inject a whole new level of, of kindness into our into our culture, specifically in business, because the, the the fun of the book is that we've been conditioned to think that ki- everybody wants kindness, but we've been conditioned to think that kindness is soft, it's weak, it doesn't work in business. And but the truth is the exact opposite. And this book really pulls it out in some fun ways that, to recognize that when culture is when your culture is is filled with that concept of kindness. It's an integral part of your of your culture. I call it a kindness value proposition, a KVP. It not only it not only works, it works big to the bottom line. And the book has some really startling statistics that that pan this out. Example, in the quick service food industry, fast food industry, the average annual turnover is 170%. So they turn over almost two times a year the total number of employees. Two companies in that industry are famous for their kindness value proposition. It's it's built into every meeting. It's built into the way they are, reward and appreciate people. It's Chick-fil-A and Starbucks. So in an industry where 170% turnover is the norm, those two, 14% and 24%. Now, when you figure that $6,000 every time you have to replace an employee in, the, in that quick service food industry, that's $300 million to the bottom line. So kindness rocks. And, and it's also something that, that each and every person can participate in. So I want to write the book to, to help people understand that kindness really does work and also give people a, a, a real practical and fun and fresh way to look at how they can, they can actually be a part of bringing that kindness culture into, into, into reality. That's one of the biggest challenges I have in life. People think that kindness, not all people, but some people think that kindness equals weakness. And I always seem to find these bullies that decide to wander by and think kindness, Chris Voss, kindness equals weakness. And then I end up ripping someone's arm off and they're like, they're like, why did you get so angry? And you're like, yeah, you tried to screw me. <laughs> and so I think the perception is there where, like you say, where, where people, people think kindness is weakness. My, my mentor was, uh, and the man who wrote the forward, my first book, Beyond Success, was John Wooden. 
Uh, John Wooden was the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Many people consider him the greatest coach, period, of all time. He was also the kindest man I ever met. When you were with John Wooden, here he is, 10 national championships. Nobody's ever, nobody else has ever won more than five. When you were with him, he made you feel like you were the most important person on the planet. He, he, he was confident, but he was kind. And he had a great ability to, to really elevate people through the power of, of kindness. I, I love, you'll love this story, Chris. Bill Walton, one of the greatest players of all time. Senior year, he comes into he comes into practice and says, and he has big sideburns and a, and facial hair. And Coach Wooden had a no facial hair rule. We're gonna have to shave before you play for Coach Wooden. And so Walton says, Coach, with all due respect, we're adults now. I think we should be able to wear our facial hair the way we want to. And Wooden goes up in total kindness, puts his arm around him. Bill, I've never been more proud of you. A man's got to stand up for what he believes in, and we're really gonna miss you. And we're really going to miss you. 15 minutes later, clean shaven. He didn't get those sideburns till he went up to the pros in Portland. But he handled disagreements without being disagreeable. And that, that's when you'd start to instill a sense of respect to start, and, we've, and a sense of loyalty. When you get treated well, you want to you respond. You want to reciprocate. So it's a, it's a practical book. It's a fun book. It's got great stories. And it, it's trying to shatter our old thinking that, Kindness is weak, kindness is soft, and kindness it doesn't work in business. It's the opposite. That's a great story. I really love that story. People need to approach it from that way a whole lot more. The I think John Wooden's, wasn't John Wooden famous for the get back to basics thing? Get back oh, yeah. to basics. And- he, was a, he was a real fundamentals guy, and he, he was just a brilliant guy. He, he had so many wonderful, um, wonderful, simple sayings. It's amazing what's accomplished when nobody cares and gets the credit. He used to say that success is peace of mind. It comes from knowing you give the best you're capable. My favorite of all, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is who you are. Reputation mm-hmm. only what others think you are. And if you stick with your character, it'll become your reputation. And see, you've already done that, Chris. You're at the top, man. I'm get I'm getting there. Uh, I don't, Spotify hasn't picked me up, but they picked up Joe Rogan. But we're working on it. It's a, it's, a, it's just a little process. But uh, no, I his his uh, get back to basics. I think somebody would come along and they'd see it, watch my jump shot or my layup and stuff, and he'd be like, "Yeah, let me see if throw from the free." from three from the free throw line i guess Shaq could have used that probably a little bit more in training <laughs> he'd be like get get back to basics and i remember all the years of my business i would use that acumen because i would i would get off track i get too much in the weeds the details and stuff and i'd be like get back to basics okay you're off base just get right back there so you travel around the world you did 15 books that you've written you did all the speaking uh, team building leading coaching life balance thriving on change when your background prepared you to write this book? Chris, I've had three really, really fun and, and rocking careers. My first career, I went to Stanford University a very long time ago. We will, mention, we will not mention any years. And what I, the way I got through school, because I, I was a public school kid, was I, I coached and taught swimming. So when I, left, when I left college, when I graduated from Stanford, I started a U.S. swimming team, so a year-round swimming. So that was my first career, and I poured my heart into it, loved it, and I realized in those years, you don't really coach swimming, you coach people. You're coaching people, trying to help them believe in themselves, trying to get people to to focus more on what they want than what they don't want. And I, I probably still be a swimming coach, except for I had no life. My my world was so, the team became the biggest team in America at that time. I had no life. So I'm the only guy you've ever met who went to graduate school to get a life instead of a job. And, and I did. 
Uh, and then my second career was in the corporate world, ended up becoming a VP of a, a real large transportation company and eventually an international training company. And it was when I was in that transportation company, we were like so many businesses, Chris, the deal. We were silos. Operations couldn't stand sales. Sales couldn't stand operations. They both hated the home office just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and that just made no sense to me because salespeople don't want to do operations. Operations people definitely don't want to do sales. That's why they're in operations. So we need each other. And so that's when I started doing team building in my own company. And I had an awesome president who let me do this. And he was outside the box thinker. And I went to him and said, you know, our challenges right now aren't our market. It's us. We don't support each other. We could be doing so many more things if we get behind each other. So I did these events. In one year, we had this massive turnaround. And I said to my wife at the peak of this, honey, we're doing great. Let's quit. I got to go do this. And that's when I started doing the team, the, the, doing my speaking and, and team building work and uh, never looked back 30 years of pure joy. That's pretty awesome. You made me think it, how many corporations spend so much of their time worrying about their competition and they don't realize they're failing from the inside. I, I, you're making me think of all the companies that I've known that they have, they're just sabotaging themselves so much from the inside that it, that's really their competition. And the deal is, is that when you start, when you focus on what you control, this is a, a heart, the heart of what I talk about in my events, it's what I talk about in ROI of Kindness. When we control our controllables, we feel momentum. We feel like we're making progress. We start, to, we start to get excited and energized. When we try to control what we don't control, and you do not control your competition, when you, that's when you feel frustrated, worried. You're focusing on, the, on what you don't want. And so truly to me, I, I've, I've created this, uh, this concept I call breakthrough leadership. And it's all built around this concept of shape your future. That's a controllable. Energize and engage yourself and your team. That's the second controllable. Build people, teams, and relationships. Focus on the inside, good stuff will come out on the outside. There you go. There you go. In the book, you talk about uh, we're all leaders, and most of us have been raised to think there are few leaders and mostly followers. Tell us about your fresh perspective here. What's breakthrough leadership mean to you? That is one of the most important things to me, and all of them. I've had a chance to speak to close to a million people in my live events. I want them to know that they are already the CEO of their own life, because when you get down to it, what is leadership? Leadership is nothing more than making decisions. So how you show up every day is part of your leadership. You're a teacher, whether you know it or not, by the way you deal with life each day. How do you deal with this? We've all had to deal with in the last year, uncertainty, change, uh, challenge that we've never faced before. How you deal with that is a big part of your leadership. Probably most important of all, what kind of impact do you have on people? Do you lift them up? Do you inspire them by who you are? So I want people to understand that you are already a leader and that's when, but I want them to have a fresh look at leadership, a future ready leadership. And that's that breakthrough leadership context concept, controlling those three foundational controllables, shape your future, energize, engage your team, build people, teams, and relationships. When you do that, you're going to create breakthrough results and breakthrough results are doing things you didn't know you could do when you started out. Breakthrough results are Airbnb. Airbnb is the biggest the biggest hospitality company in the world. They weren't here 12 years ago. When they started out, they weren't thinking about being the biggest, the biggest hospitality company in the world. They were thinking about paying their rent. They had three air beds and a loft they weren't using. 12 years later, they're bigger than Marriott. That is a breakthrough result. But the, the secret is to focus on those controllables 
and let the results come as a result of working on the things you do control. That's what leadership is. And every one of us is a leader. I love that mentality. You can apply that to parenthoods yeah, where people need to, to take and look. And I'm a leader. It gives you more self-actualization to what you really are. Like you say, have influence in the world, being a teacher and everything else. My mom was a teacher for 20 plus years. So was my sister. She still has people that come up to her and be like, you made such a difference in my life. You, you helped shape it. And she was just an elementary school teacher, which that sounds horrible to say, just an elementary school teacher. But it's, it's interesting to, to that she shaped people's lives at that young of an age. And they still remember her and come up to her and be like, yeah, you, you made a difference in my life. At, you know, my, my favorite movie of all time, I'm a cornball, you'll know it right away, is It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the story of the Christmas movie from Jimmy Stewart way back when, we all watch it 400 times. I still ball like a baby every time. But the key message in it is what you just talked about, and it's so important for people to know. Your mom was a, an elementary school teacher. She affected some child who was seven years old or whatever. How many lives did that seven-year-old, could that seven-year-old, as they grow, affect? And how many lives that that one affect would affect that many more? So we are ripple effect starters, but you won't be the same kind of, won't create the same kind of ripples until you stand up and say, I am a leader. What I do matters. Uh, I have a job here on earth, and it's to help the people around me know they're important. That's obviously what your mom did, because for kids to come back and say, you've made my, you made my difference in my life. She made them feel like they had value. She made them feel that they were important. She made them feel that they had capability and she held them to that higher expectation. Wow. I didn't even think about that. The difference that she made in people's lives than they made in other people's lives. You mentioned the word ripple. One of my axioms of my life has been, fortunately, early on in my teens, I saw Bobby Kennedy's uh, speech. I wasn't there, but I saw a rendition of Bobby Kennedy's speech, Ripples of Hope in South Africa. And and so I've I've always made like posters for people and, and different things. And I keep the meme around for a while. And he basically talks about how we all live in interesting times and how we all make a difference. And when we do stuff that improves the quality of man, that improves the quality of life and people, we send forth these ripples of hopes that can build a giant current that can sweep down the highest walls of of oppression and then horrible things that happen in, in life. And that's a real, that's a real key thing. We all make a difference. And I think that's, I think that's something that's missing from a lot of people's lives. They don't feel they make a difference and, and people need to realize they do it, whether it's, whether you're putting a good or bad effect in the world, it's having an effect and it's rippling and, and making a, a bigger wave. So you want to sit down and go, what, what effect am I having? Am I a leader in this world and who am I leading and what difference am I making? Absolutely. One of the the great things to me about social media has been I coached more than 40 years ago. And I get I get Facebooks and and reach outs from kids I coached 40 years ago who I coached when they were seven years old. And they told me that same thing that that were said to your mom that you helped me help me think differently. You really helped me grow. I think about you still and I'm stunned by that because I wouldn't even think they remember who I was to, to, to know that some little action, something, something that you said, some moment where you were just fully present with somebody could actually change the trajectory of their life. It may not have been a big change in that moment, but a, a, over time, that trajectory can make a huge difference. So that's, that's a great thing to carry with you each day. And I, I think it's whether it's with your own kids, whether it's with your teammates, I call it the woo. It's the window of opportunity, which oh. is every precious moment. You never know if the next person you'll meet today may become a lifelong friend. 
as you didn't know when you met your lifelong friend. You never know as if the next time you talk to your son or your daughter or on your show, if something you say, maybe just what's right for that person that they couldn't see with their eyes, but you saw it, you seized the woo when you said it and somebody's life got better. Yeah. I've had, I've had twice now on social media where someone wrote me and there was like a quote we shared and, and over the last 12 years that I've been on social media, I've had two times where someone wrote me and said I was going to commit suicide today. And what you, that quote that you just put out there just randomly two two were by automators. It was totally automated. And they said that, that brought me back from the brink. I decided to stay. I'm getting the chills because I had the same thing happen in an event. One, one day a woman, I, I could see her and there's about 400 people And she came up to me and told me that at the end that I was going to take my life today. And I didn't say something directly to her, but she took it directly to her heart Mm -hmm. and, and realized that she still had a choice and uh, that she would choose love over fear, which is what all breakthroughs really are. Yeah. We really don't, we don't really don't realize it. It's pretty amazing. I've had a lot of people listen to the show over the years, uh, especially when we had Eddie Glenn Jr. on, I had a lot of white people reach out to me and go, I love how you approach the deal of racism and, and how you had an open mind. And I actually really learned and changed some of my paradigms because of what I saw. So in your book, you talk about uh, the seven habits of highly effective CKOs. What is a CKO? And tell us a little bit more about the seven habits. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's my favorite part of the, of the ROAB kindness, because it's, it, as I said, we all, we all want kindness in our lives, but how do you actually deliver kindness in the most profound and important ways. And so a CKO, not everybody's going to be a CEO. Not everybody's going to be the COO. But the instant you decide to, you can be the CKO, which is the chief kindness officer. So in every interaction, you can deliver kindness. And the seven habits are, I'll give you one that I think is one of the most un, the one that's just not thought of enough, but it's a powerful one. And it's, it's humility. Mm. Um, being humble. See, a lot of people think being humble means you can't be confident. You can be really confident and be very humble because being humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less. But the reason why humility is such a key to being the best person you can be is that only those people who are humble are lifelong learners because only those who are humble always know that they could get better. Mm-hmm. And so they'd rather make a mistake and learn from it then have to be right to look good. And so when you are humble around people, it's a delivery of kindness because it, it allows them to feel, to feel like, hey, you're not, you're not about ego, you're about we go. And so that's one of them. Another is probably the most important one of all, I call it the secret behind the secrets, we'll probably talk about it as we go along, is to be fully present. Mm. When you're fully present with somebody, 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with that person. And you can't fake it when you're with somebody, if they're there or not. The instant that they're not there, boom, you, you can feel it. And, you, and it says to them, and when you're not present, you just don't matter that much to me. You're not as important as my cell phone. You're not as important as this other stuff. And when you are present, you send the opposite message. You do matter. You are important. Uh, I think that was probably the greatest thing about John Wood and here, the greatest coach of all time. And when he were with him, Bombs could be going off two feet beside you. All he cared about was you in that moment. And you felt like the greatest of all time because he was fully present. So that's, there is no kindness without first presence. There is no trust without being present because you can't fake it. So to be a CKO is to start to work on being more fully present. When you're with people that matter, put the phone away for a little while. 
listen. You got two of these, two ears, one mouth. Good ratio. Listen and then formulate what you'll say. Hang on, Bob. I was uh, reading my text message here <laughs> on my phone. Or wait, Brian. Brian, not Bob. Brian. Did I set you up? Man, I am a best straight man. I got to do that joke. The uh, No, it's it's really fortunate, I, I feel, at least for me <laughs> and probably you, that we were born in this generation where we actually used to sit and talk to each other around the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> at least uh, i don't know what your family experience was but uh, i'm assuming it was where we didn't have these phones where we're just like going yeah bob whatever uh, you john what who who am i talking to i'm reading texts on the internet and it's it's sad to me i remember i remember watching the evolution of it in 2010 2011 when ipads came out and everyone started having the iphone and looking at it and i would i would go to like restaurants and i'd see like whole families sitting around and they'd be like Four different phones out, everybody talking on the phone, looking at their phone, looking at a movie. You know it. And the average like, American father today spends an average of nine and a half to ten and a half hours a day on a cellular or digital device and less than eight minutes a day in actual interaction with his kids. Wow. So we got to turn that around because we're gonna we're gonna lose we're gonna lose that muscle. We're gonna lose yeah. that muscle presence. So the greatest gift I was ever given was given to me by my two daughters who are now grown up when they're eight and three. And we had, I've been teaching this stuff, Chris, but sometimes you know what to do, but you don't do what you know. And I was so caught up in my stuff and my career and my speaking and that we had actually moved to a little town so I would be present when I was home because I was on the road a lot. One night when I should have been and could have been tucking them in and reading them a story and being present with them. I was reaching for my phone to go through a bunch of voicemails. This was even before email. This was even before cell phone. So I don't have a really good excuse. And they came up to me and they looked at me and they said, daddy, before we go to sleep, can we ask you something? I go, sure. You can ask me anything. And they said, daddy, we just want to know, do you love your phone more than you love us? Oh, I felt the blade going deep. Emerson said, what you do scream so loudly, I can't hear a word you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I had been living my life as if my phone was a higher priority than my children. I will tell you, Chris, I tucked them in that night. I never missed another night when I was off the road, mm-hmm. um, when I was home. The next morning, I brought him to school. Never missed another morning. And my wife was like the happiest person in the world because she does not dig the morning. All right. And that day, I made a decision about presence. And I changed my calendar so that from that day forward, I would never do more than seven events a month. So speaking, seven, no matter what you pay me. And that their events came first. And so... From that point on, I never missed one of their dance performances, one of their soccer games. I never missed one of their dad and daughter dances. And I thought I was doing it for them. Actually, the the power of presence, you get more done in less time because you're focused, you're there, you're 100%. We've all done it, Chris. It's a Friday. You're going to leave at 2 o'clock. You get more done between 8 and 2 on that Friday than you did all week, 8 to 8, because you're present. And, and, it, and it sends that unstoppable message that is the message I believe that our job as leaders, since we're all leaders, our job is to help the people that we lead, serve, and care about to know they're important. That was a, that was a tough lesson I, needed, I had to learn. I think it was Eckhart Tolle, whose book I read, The Power of Now, taught me about being present. And I was having a real big ADHD anxiety problem where I was getting really lost in everything. And I would just, I would sit, my dogs would be before me and I'd just be like, I'm not, I know I'm not here. 
I would just have this screaming in my head. Everything's going by you. My dogs had passed. My my early dog family had passed. And and I was like, I need to be present somehow. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what the definition was. But being present is so important because it's really the only time that you have that you really control. You don't, you can't control or change the past. You can't really change the future. I mean, you can have an effect on it, but you can affect the future is by being present. Yeah. If you, if you sit and worry about the future, you're not present. So absolutely. Absolutely. I would yeah, say being, the past is history. The future, a mystery. The gift is now. That's why that. we call it the present. Give that to me one more time. If you can, the that was past really... is history. The future, a mystery. The gift is now. The gift That's why now. we call it the present. I love that. That should be a book too, right there. There you I go. Of course, title. those long titles again, it'll get cut <laughs> off part way through. There you go. Do you want to share that? We got two of the seven ha- habits. Do you want to share the other five? Just maybe talk. I won't share all five of them because I got to get people to read the book. But uh, yeah, we don't. Wanna... <laughs> another one, a huge one, is and because I just touched on it, the most destructive, destructive word in the language of teams, families, and relationships is the word B-L-A-M-E, blame. And so one of the seven habits is to be what I call a blame buster. Now, blame kills teams. And it's not to say we don't mess up because we all do. But blame does serves no positive or constructive purpose for a very simple reason. Think about blame in the context of time. Is blame about the past, the present, or the future? It's always about the past. Oh, So whenever you find yourself in blame, where are you? In the past, where we just said, you can't do anything about that. So a blame buster doesn't, and and, and, which leads to being a CKO, it doesn't say, oh, we didn't mess up or pretend it didn't happen. They go, they said, okay, that's what happened. What can we learn? What will we do now? They take it from the past to where it can be constructive. And and that has a powerful impact on people when you don't blame. When instead you tr- say, okay, what are we going to learn? What are we going to do now? Let's make this, turn this, this thing into something that's a positive learning element. The great coach at uh, University of Alabama before Saban, Bear Bryant, he said this wonderful quote. He said, I'm just an old country plow hand. But if you want to get a team's heart to beat as one, he says, when things go great, they did it. Things go pretty good. We did it. Things go bad. I did it. In other words, I'm not going to blame you for it. I'm going to take that responsibility. Responsibility is something you take, all right? And and that's how you really start to add credit to something you give. That's how you really start to build loyalty, connection, and 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 really deliver kindness in an unexpected way because we're so conditioned to be defensive when somebody feel when we feel like somebody is is blaming us. This is why I always blame people for stuff that's going to happen in the future. Like, I just, you're going to betray me someday, like Jesus or something. Jesus was like, one of you will betray me this day. That's a whole new twist. I think that's going to be the sequel. It's good. It's good. It's really, it works too. Guilt people into shit they haven't even done. You're just like, (laughs) you will betray me someday. I'll give you one more of the seven habits. We're going to shift out of this future stuff. And it's related to being present. And it's called, it's put it simple, it's just listen. In in my corporate career, when I became the vice president of this uh, international training company, I inherited a, my director of operations. She had the greatest name ever. You love this. Her name was Raffaella Regina Rossi. We called Mm -hmm. her R3. And she had great energy and talent, but she did not like me one bit. And the reason was, and that was hard for me because I get along with people. But I had replaced somebody who, who she had been really loyal to. 
Oh. And she had construed that it was my doing. It was not my doing, but that's the way she took it. Now, for a while, we tried to pretend we got along all right. And everybody knows what's going on. People are walking on eggshells. We're floundering, getting nothing done. For a while, I tried the stuff I thought you were supposed to do to be a, a good leader, to be kind. I, I give her compliments. That didn't work. I give her space. That didn't work. I give her direction. Nothing worked until I remembered the power of listening. And I asked her to come to my office one day. I was honest with her. I said, Raphael, our team is floundering because I haven't been a good enough, a good enough leader to figure out a way for you and I to break through and work well together. And I said, and so I've asked you here to do something. I know at first will sound a bit odd, but I've got a reason. I said, if you will allow me for 10 minutes, I will just listen to you. I will not interrupt. I will not defend. I will not argue. I will not ask. I will just listen. You have a free pass. You can say whatever you want, however you want to say it. And my promise is I will listen. I said, after 10 minutes, I simply ask that you do the same for me, that you listen to me for 10 minutes. I said, would you try it? And Chris, I'll never forget her answer. I don't think I could talk for 10 minutes. I said, Raphael, would, we got to get better. Would you try? And she goes, all right, I'll try. An hour later, she stopped talking. <laughs> and, and in that hour, I was true to my word. I just listened. I didn't say a word. Um, and in that hour, she totally transformed our culture. She realized she had not been fair to me. She realized oh. if we put our energies together, we'd be unstoppable. Most of all, she reminded herself of how much she loved what we should be doing, but weren't doing because of our stuff. When we walked out of that room, over the next six months, we got more done than we had in the previous three years. Our, our team just caught fire. We had fun. It was uh, today, more than 30 years later, she's still one of my great friends, even though she still owes me 10 minutes. I never got my 10 minutes. So that's the power of listening. Because what I, what I was able to say by just listening was what I wasn't communicating by talking. It was that I value you. When anybody asks you what you think, automatically you have a sense that they care about what you think. And that's a powerful that's a powerful way to build respect. I really love that. I'm going to have to write that example down and use that next time I'm having trouble with something, someone on a team or something. I really love that. I, I try and always listen to people, I, whether I'm a host or one of the things I hate is when I watch other people's shows and they talk over each other and you're just like, it's not about you. It's about the guests, dude. My audience knows who the hell I am. They're sick of me. They, that's why we have guests because they're like, yeah, somebody new is a Chris Voss. We, we know what his crap is all about. And it's a really cool thing. And I just sincerely is that. I ask in my events a lot of times, what's the most underused sense? And when people think about it, the answer usually comes out hearing, listening. And why? It's because most of the time we're in a conversation, what are we actually doing when the other person is talking? We're not listening. We're thinking about what we're going to respond. We're thinking of our retort. And one thing I've noticed about you, and I've been on many podcasts, and it's probably why your podcast is so up there, is that you don't do that. You take it in and something's going to come, whether it's going to be fun or a reaction to it, whether it's going to be something that you really want to emphasize. But I noticed, and I, and I, and I just applaud you for it is that you take it in first and then let it come. That is a really important trait that we could teach one another and teach our kids because just listening again is a way of, it forces you to be present. 
It definitely does. But John, I was on my phone getting my, no, I'm just kidding. Your name's not John. I like that thing. So anyway, I was on my phone answering text messages on my Instagram. The, uh, yeah, I, 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 and the reason I make that joke too, is I hope people realize what that is. We do that so many times to each other. Hang on. I got to finish making this text. Hang on. I got to finish all that stuff. And it's really important. Listening is, is so important. I've been on this new app called Clubhouse. So have you gotten on this app, Brian? I've, I've, I've just been introduced to it. So yeah, I yeah. know what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, we should have you on stage and do some stuff, and and then we'll talk after the show. But it's it's all about listening because it's mostly an auditorial platform. Auditorial is that a word? I got what you meant. It means it's cool. Yeah, I I just do a lot of creative poetic license on the show. That's what we do here. Inventing Whatever. words is good yeah. stuff. I went to public school. You can tell. But I do want to do a callback too to what you were talking about with blame because I had an important thing on that with blame. The one thing I've learned the hard way is that usually if you end up blaming somebody, there's a little bit of karma that comes back at you. So you did that. And if you usually point that out, like you end up being a hypocrite because later when you do it, then that other person sees it and goes, yeah, you're a hypocrite. So I've learned there's kind of almost like a karma in life where what's that old saying? If you point a finger at somebody, you have four fingers pointing back at you. That's the one thing I learned about blame. If I blame someone for something. yeah, Blame, Blame always carries with it an IOU. When a person feels blame, they just, well, you just, I owe you, baby. It's going to come back. I'll get you later on. And so it's, it's so counterproductive because it, again, I like to make it simple. It's in the past. You can't undo what you're blaming. What you can do is do better now. And let's do that so that we create a better direction in the future. And so it's a, it's a tough one because we're not, we're not conditioned. A lot of our society is all about blame. Our judicial system is all about blame. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, some relationships just become like a whole blame game of it's let me pull out your historical context of everything that you've done wrong in this relationship. And we're going to go ahead and read the docket, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Court reporter, can you please read what the testimony of the and you're just like, oh, craps, that 1997 thing got me again. not disappear digital form and they are stuck in there and you can't build but seriously i'm, I'm gonna write down that 10 minute thing i love that idea and my concept. wife and i have done that over the years when we start getting too busy and we're starting to grade against each other we're little stuff and we'll sit back and it, it always resets it always brings us back to where where we can we can recognize how much we appreciate one another and again get hung up on the stuff that doesn't matter there you go. In your books and seminars and presentations, you uh, talk about how to elevate your energy. Talk about uh, how critical that key is to enrich your life. And does that just include coffee or is that more? <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. One of the things I want people to really, really understand about themselves is that, that their energy is a choice. And, and the truth is many people don't think of that. They think that their energy is like the weather. It's, man, I hope I have enough energy today. hope mm-hmm. I have enough energy to make it through this crazy week. But your energy is a choice. And when you understand that, you can start to ask yourself, how can I, how can I ele- elevate that, that energy? And here's why it's so crucial, Chris. To everyone you touch, to your children, to your customers, to your teammates, to anyone that you care about, your energy is your example. People won't remember that much of what you say, no matter how well you say it, but they will never forget your energy. And so when I like to help people think about going on what I call an ETP, an energy transformation program. And and the easiest way I've ever found to help people with their energy is to just look at your energy on a 10 point scale. 
So on 10-point energy scale, one is comatose. 10 is a child on Christmas morning. 10 is the way you feel when you just nailed it. You did the best job of your life. It's something you really have a passion for. In my, in my seminars, I've had a, a three quarters of a million people break boards karate style. 10 is the way they feel when they break that board. Wow. Uh, and so once you've got that context, I ask what I call the trillion dollar question. This is a life changing, family changing, health changing, career changing, you changing question. When you think about that 10 point energy scale from one to 10, where have you been living your life? And whoa, that's a great question. You're living at level seven, level... And once you've got that answer, unless you're 99.9, then as a humble breakthrough leader, your next question is, what can I do about it? How can I elevate that number? Because Chris, what that number is, is just your e-habit. It's just the way you've set up your life to arrive at that particular energy level. If you can arrive there, you can change it and replace it. And so the two keys to elevating your energy, which makes it a choice. Number one is so simple, we miss it. And here's what it is. Your energy is created by the way that you move period. Anytime you've been at your best, you've moved your body differently than when you've not been at your best. Your body line, your facial expression, your eye position, and your breathing. Now, I've said it to some people before, and they go, Ryan, if I had more energy, I'd move more. <laughs> ah, move more, and you'll have more energy. So if go. you want to move your life, if you want to move your career, a starting place is to move yourself. I, I bet everybody on, uh, on your sh- listening to your show know somebody who blows them away because at a really advanced age, that person has this incredible energy. And though I bet I don't, I, obviously I don't know who they're thinking about. I bet I know two things about them. One um, is that they keep moving. Number two, that they're one of their heroes because of, because of that energy. So first way to elevate your energy by choice is to add a little bit of movement to your life. Never sit at your computer for super long time without changing your position. Open your, open your eyes. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. So change the way you move. The second is even more profound and more consistent and the real source of all energy. And it's called purpose. When you are full of purpose, you are full of energy. And it's when we lose sight of our purpose that energy kind of deflates. I joke about it, but here's the truth. When I'm on stage, Chris, I'm 25 years old. The second I step off, I'm back to 66. But when I'm on stage, I am 25 because... I am full of purpose. I'm doing what I, I feel I was put on earth to do. So when you come from a place of purpose, energy is no problem. And, and how do you do that? Inch by inch, anything's a cinch. So here's a simple way to work on purpose. Every morning when you wake up, ask yourself, what am I truly grateful about? What you're grateful about will focus on your priorities. Your priorities are the pathway to purpose. I love that what you just said. It just went right by me. The inch by inch. Anything's a cinch. Anything's a cinch. I love that. I'm always one of those people where anytime I have some giant thing, I'm just like, eat it like an elephant. One, just one bite at a time to start. And, and, but I, I like that a little bit better because I don't have to think about an elephant or eating one, which is not. <laughs> it's actually brilliant because what overwhelm is having is the sense of that elephant is all around you. That's, you got so much that you want to do that you don't do anything. And the only way out of overwhelm is incredibly simple. Do one thing. Just take one step. And suddenly you moved out of overwhelm into momentum. And that now that you're taking that step, you can get to the next, the next, the next. And another, another great thing for energy is 
high caffeine coffee brought to you this no. episode by death wish coffee no i'm just kidding is that a bucket or a cup i can't it's a bucket dude. this is this is the first one there's gonna be two no i'm just kidding but you said something at the beginning of what you were talking about where you talked about how people have a thing where they go boy i hope i have enough energy is that kind of a cop out that sounds like a cop out to me where people people are like, well, I don't really want to be present like you've talked about. I think I think it can be. I think it's conditioned. I think it's the way it's the way that we've been conditioned to think that our energy is like the weather. I hope the yeah. weather's good for the family picnic. And so it makes it it is a bit of a cop out in the same way that when you ask somebody and they say and you ask them an important question, and say, well, I don't know. That is not the truth. What that is, is a, is a conditioned cop out. And so if you, anybody asks you, you ask somebody and they come back with, the, I don't know, just say this. I know you don't know, but if you did know, what would you say? And they will pop out the answer right away because we've broken through that conditioned response. In my book, here's a great one, Chris. In, my, in, the, in the book, The ROI of Kindness, it opens and I ask this question. And I've asked it in 1,800 events over the years. Silly question. I said, what color is a yield sign? And every audience that I've ever spoken to says yellow. Yield signs are red and white. I did it too. Yep. And why is that? Because we have a conditioned response to think of road signs as yellow with black writing. Mm. And so we stop, we start using our memory to see. So that's one of the other keys to opening our eyes to what's possible is to stop using your memory to see, especially about people. Because when you change the way you look at people, the people you look at change. When you change the way you look at yourself, yourself will see change. That's why I have people break boards in an event to see, wow, I didn't know I could do that. What else could I do that I didn't know I could do? Maybe I could break through with my teenager. Maybe I could get in better shape. Maybe I could write that book. Maybe I could run that 10K. As soon as you shift that from maybe I can't to maybe I can, you got momentum. There you go. The I'm going to use I'm going to use what you just said about the uh, yellow the red thing next time exhibit A next time I'm in court for running a stop sign I'm going to be like well Brian told me that uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the yellow thing I I thought it was yellow a stop sign I thought it was yellow I thought it was just yield anyway so you've got this website Inspire Kindness Inspire Kindness com and join the movement kindness challenges free printables you want to talk a little bit about the site and what you guys are doing with it in, in yeah that's where you can there's two places you can buy buy the book inspire the book of roi of kindness you can get it at my website brianbyer.com or inspirekindness.com and this was set up by my co-author of the book named mac anderson he started a company called inspire kindness he's a very successful uh, entrepreneur who had retired and just wanted purpose. And his purpose was he felt like we need to make this world kinder. Every every book sold, a little bit of that money goes to a Kindness for Kids, which is a nonprofit to stop bullying, to, to transform our young people into people who are more about understanding than bullying. And so it's a it's a really all about he does this because he he's set up for life, but he started this because he really wants to to inject a, a level of kindness into this world. And I'm, I'm honored and delighted that he asked me to write the book. And we together are, are trying to make a little dent in, in, a, in the culture of this, of this country and the world. That's awesome. So you got some different things on here. You can submit your story, basically build a community. You can join a great newsletter you guys have. Uh, you got an affiliate program and corporate gifting program on here. You can shop for different things, including the book as well. Yeah. And uh, now, the kindness a- rose is the coolest deal. 
Chris, you got to get one of these for your for for your special someone because this rose lasts one year. It's, it's a, real a real rose. rose? It's a like real a- rose. It's really fragrant, and they last. The one I got for my wife actually was fourteen months. You just put it like in a little little bowl or vasin, and it's it's just awesome. It's especially bred from Peru, and it's uh, it's the kindness rose. And again, every single product contributes to kindness for kids. Wow, one year that lasts longer than most of my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but now uh, you but, know that yield signs are red and white so man you're like you're yeah, ready to rock yeah i've got my red and yellows down now thanks that's why i had you on the show actually i know i'm, just, I'm just glad to, to be a colors, right no kindness rose holy crap i didn't know you could make one that last year that was one of those things i used to be disappointed when i used to give roses to my girlfriends and stuff it was was how soon it would die i'd be like i spent like 50 bucks for that darn thing and now it's <laughs> dead after two days and and then <laughs> I remember years ago, I used to have this girlfriend. She loved to, she's one of the people who used to dry out the flowers and then make like. Right, right. You know, Hang them and dry them. Yeah. And she's, I'm going to kill these and make them. And I'm just like, this is really weird, man. <laughs> but so you've got the Inspire Kindness wristbands, the RIF Kindness book that you can order, the Inspire Kindness hoodie, and uh, lots of different materials and stuff. Camp Inspire Kindness uh, curriculum virtual fundraising, uh, world kindness day resources. I like this. We need more kindness in the, in the world and we need to share more and everything else. So I like, I like what you guys are putting forth here on the site. Thanks very much. One of the foundations of, of, of what I, what I've taught for 30 years, actually more through coaching is what you focus on is what you create. So just by shining that light on kindness and from a variety of directions, gets us to have it become something that we move towards. We've got a choice. What you focus on is what you create. Let's focus on some good things we want to create. There you go. I love that. Kindness is good because I, I get tired of people that mistake kindness for weakness. We all need to stop doing stuff. Don't be nice to the nice people. And, and I, I think a good wrap up here is this final question that I have for you. You're a big believer in reaching out to others and letting them know how you feel. How can a simple thank you make a difference? And why is that important? I, I, I like to call it to see yourself as what I call a world-class buddy thanker. And there's there's been studies about that, that that there are frequencies to emotions and the highest frequency emotion of all. So the, the most powerful emotion that we have is gratitude. So that when we're in a, when we're truly feeling gra- grateful, there's no room for, for negative emotion. It, it is over, they are overpowered. And here's a big question, Chris, who are the people in our lives who we tend to forget to thank the most? I've asked that question a thousand times in events and the answer is always the same. It's the people we're closest to. It's the people that we take for granted. And the question is, does that work? I told you in 99, I love you. What do you want? Mush? What's the deal? And there's only a few guys out there going, man, I hope it works. No, I think the most important words I've ever written, Chris, say that the love we fail to share is the only pain we live with. And if you don't get this right now, if you don't simply say to people, you know, how much they mean to you, how much you appreciate them, you may never get that chance again. Then the love you fail to share is the only pain you leave with. So, To be a world-class buddy thinker, just remember ESPN. E, thank people with effort and energy. Sometimes we thank people just out of rote memory. It's it's like, hey, thanks. That doesn't mean anything. But when you say, Chris, thank you for having me on this show. This is the best show that I've been on. And I mean that. It it means something. Just, Just raising my effort and energy. More important, thank people for their effort and energy and not just their results. There We've you been conditioned to only give praise when the job's done. But when we thank people for their, what their effort, their energy, their attitude along the way, then we're focusing on thanking them for what they control. 
S, occasionally use the power of surprise. Mm. Um, surprise is the super glue of impact when it comes to appreciation. So a handwritten card, nobody gives them anymore. You get one of those, it's a, like you're a thousand times more interested in reading that than all those emails that add up. So use the power of surprise. Stop a meeting and just acknowledge somebody who had no idea that they were doing something special. They were just doing what they thought was right. And it just stays with them. P is what we talked about. Most important of all, to be world-class buddy thinker, be present. And most of all, do it now. I, I believe that the greatest gift we're ever given is today. And on that today, it comes in the form of a road. And many times in each day, we come to the same why in the road. One side says, as soon as. The other says, now. Now, as soon as looks nice. It's well lit, no ruts, been repaved, piece of cake. Now it's curvy, it's got ruts in it. But if you stay on the road called as soon as, it's a direct road to never. Its only destination is perpetual procrastination. Choose the now. If there's people that you haven't thanked, appreciated, acknowledged, do it now. You may never get the chance again. If there's people you haven't been present with, do it now. If you've been living at level five on a 10-point energy scale, you know now to change it now. And that now is what gives life momentum and direction and fun as soon as it's just perpetual, perpetual and unfulfillment. There you go. And a great gift to give him is the kindest rose. <laughs> the I, I love that. You talked about a callback to, you talked about how with your daughters, you're spending so much time working and, and trying to do your life, but you're part of what you're trying to do. And sometimes that's that excuse we give ourselves in our head is, well, I'm trying to provide them a better life. And I'm sure they see what I'm doing. I used to do that with my businesses and my life and my personal relationships. Would I, I'd be like, clearly they see why I'm working so hard is so they can have the nice house, the nice cars and all the nice life. I go to the oyster bar, you know, every other night and all that crap. Clearly they see why I'm working so hard. And so I wouldn't communicate it. I would think that my efforts showed that, but no, people are different. They need, they need to sit down and tell them stuff. I remember one of my bosses early on in my life that he, he got angry because one of his employees said, you never thank us for doing the job or act like you're thankful. And he goes, I give you a check on every other Friday. That is the thank you. And he really didn't get that those moments of what people need are much are 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 very much different. Some of the stuff that we we talked about today, being present and and all that good stuff. The biggest reason people leave organizations isn't about money, isn't about that check. Mm -hmm. It's because they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel that wow. they're getting opportunity to to shine to do their best. And that's why a simple thank you it means a ton. I, I, again, I think back to John Wooden. He said the two most important words in the English language are thank you. And there's a great, uh, a great quote that says, if the only prayer you ever uttered was thank you, that would be enough. Mm, that's an interesting thing to keep around. I should keep that. And the other time where people don't feel appreciated is it's always interesting to me the day after Valentine's Day. That's when AshleyMedicine.com, Match.com get a flood of new people. Clearly, some people didn't feel appreciated on yeah, the day. So Chris, this will blow. This blew me away. I better blow you away. Is in twenty before COVID, there there's studies done every year on lonely on lon loneliness. Mm -hmm. Sixty two percent of Americans consider themselves lonely, mm -hmm. and so when you are more appreciative, when you just say something to somebody, we knock. We need to bring that. That's gone up from forty nine percent four years ago, five years ago now to 62%. So when you look around you, odds are at least one of those people is feeling like they, they don't, they don't matter that they're not that important, that they're lonely. And we, we can change that.
Yeah. And part of it is this, is this phone thing where people are, we feel lonely because we're tuned into our phones, but we're not tuned into each other. We're rocking around and, and, and people feel lonely because you're, you're going like this. And the person's looking at you going, wow, okay, right. you're not, you here. may not be saying it like my daughters did, but do you love your phone more than you love us? Yeah. Yeah. You know, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're like me, love your BMW more than you love other people. My girlfriends, just, <laughs> my girlfriends used to always say that to me. They go, they go, do you love me more than your BMW? And I'm like, Ooh, let me think don't about that one. Me, yeah, don't make me make choices, honey. <laughs> But uh, there you go. Anyway, it's been wonderful to have on the show, Brian. Anything you want to say as we go out? I just would, first of all, thank you. Yep. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. I love I loved the fact that you you balance laughter with meaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, been a, it's been an honor and a privilege. And I just encourage everybody to have choices in your life. And so many people don't think they do. You can choose to do what you love. You can choose to elevate your energy. You can choose to be present. And if you do... Um, you're going to start moving your life in a direction that you want it to go. And thank you for being on the show as well, Brian. You've given me so many epiphanies and learned so many things, and hopefully my audience has done that, and they'll go out in the world and share more stuff and be and share, spread the kindness. And, of course, pick up your book. Give us your plugs one more time so people can Yeah, just go it. to inspirekindness.com, the ROI of kindness, or to my website uh, for either my books or my speaking, brianbyro.com. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for spending time with us today. It's been Brian, a blast, man. I enjoyed it. And watch out for those yield signs. They really are red and white. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You might get called as an expert witness to uh, me running stop signs every <laughs> now and then. But we try and stay away from the BMWs these days. That was just speeding ticket heaven. Thanks to Brian for being with us today and sharing his beautiful knowledge. Uh, go pick up his book, The ROI of Kindness. Uh, you can check it out. He's got a bunch of other books you can take an order from. Him. Go to his website, check it out as well. Thanks to Honest for tuning in to see the video version of this. It's the newest technology they have out there. It's called YouTube.com. You want to go there you want to hit the bell notification youtube.com for just chris voss it's free for an unlimited time you want to grab it well we have this special running you can just click the bell notification button you can get all the wonderful videos and you can watch this one as well and you can go to uh, facebook.com linkedin.com the instagram.com there's so many accounts on all those different platforms it's not even funny and twitter too as well if you uh, want to go there also see a sun clubhouse and uh, i'm going to talk to brian after the show and maybe we can see if we can get him on a stage after the show at clubhouse to talk about all the great stuff he's doing thanks so much for tuning in wear your mask stay safe and we'll see you next time and be kind to each other <laughs>